It's the new year and time for the new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from godaddy.com today. Welcome to the post-Thanksgiving Breaking Battlegrounds. Hopefully you are not too full to tune in today. Be sure to download the podcast segment because we're going to have some fun coming up. But our first guest, as we like to do during the holidays, Chuck, we like to get away from politics. We like to get away from the divisiveness. We like to get away from some of the controversy and talk to people who are actually making a positive difference in the world in doing things that inspire others. And that is what today's program is going to be about. We have two fantastic guests. Our first one is on the line right now. I am happy to introduce Jacqueline Way. Uh, Jacqueline is a world-renowned keynote speaker with one of the most watched TEDx talks. How many people t- have seen that, Chuck? I think it was like almost six million. Is that what? Is that right, Jacqueline? Is it almost six million downloaded? Yeah, I, that? You know, I think we're over seven now. We're probably closer to about seven and a half million. That's amazing. That, that, I mean, talk about oh, spreading the message. That's seven and a half it. million. Unbelievable. <laughs> can't believe it myself. Just so you know. <laughs> in, in, as, I say, as I say in the talk, I'm just a mom. <laughs> a, a mom who seven million people have listened to and, and hopefully learned something about how to be happy every day. It will change the world. Uh, Jacqueline is a dedicated world changer, serving humanity with love every day. Her soul, S-O-L-S-O-U-L, love that, uh, purpose is to teach, inspire, and empower the hearts and minds of people globally to create a happy, meaningful life and world together. It's a pretty darn great mission, Jacqueline. It is a great mission. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me today. You know, this falls right on the heels of Thanksgiving and you know, also Giving Tuesday, which is coming up. It's right around the corner. So I'm really happy to be here with you both and talking about giving and gratitude and how we can make it a literally a happiness habit for ourselves and for everyone around us. Jacqueline, so let's first start. You, you start your TED Talk talking about your three-year-old son. Is he still practicing yeah. at 365 daily? Well, he works with me uh, all of the time on the charity. <laughs> uh, he is now the co-founder of 365 Give and uh, we are now, he's now 15 years old. Wow. So, uh, we are, we are in the happy teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is what I can tell you about my son, because I no longer follow him around, you know, every day chasing him is that what everyone says about my son is that he is a kind, compassionate, loving human being. And that's all you can hope for as a parent is that, Along the way, when we teach our kids in positive ways um, to give back to the world and to actually be kind, show them how it's done, we exemplify it for it, we practice it ourselves so that they can see it in our lives so that they, in turn, turn around and know it's, it's part of their lives, too. I, so I'm blessed that his, his teachers all say he is a, he's a really kind, compassionate kid. I, I think that is the ultimate compliment for a parent. So you started it three. Truly is. So you started three sixty five. Want to talk about? So there was a quote I read years ago yeah. that's always stuck with me. It says, "As you lose yourself in the service of others, you discover mm-hmm. your own life and your own happiness." Have you seen this transformation with people who have adopted and implemented three sixty five in their lives? 
You know, I, I'm going to start with myself because I think transformation all starts with ourselves. Perfect. And when I started this practice with my son, I can tell you right now, I never really realized it was my own happiness practice. It was my own understanding for myself more than anyone else. And that's now rippled out to people. So am I so absolutely blessed that people reach out to me on a daily basis saying, this has changed my life? Absolutely. And it's not that it's just changed their lives because they're going and making an an impact on others. But it's really what people don't realize is this amazing positive impact that giving has on ourselves. We literally call it your daily dose of happiness. And dose stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and your endorphins. And this is this beautiful automatic chemical reaction that happens in our brains and bodies when we give. Giving actually reduces our stress. So if people are looking for a way to reduce their stress right now and their anxiety, even depression, they were able to prove this over COVID, that giving actually gives us all of our feel-good feelings. So oxytocin is love. Serotonin is happiness. Endorphins are that want to run a little faster and a little harder feel good. And then our dopamine, which is our reward system. Now, these are pretty simplified ways of talking about these terms, but what giving does is it turns on all of this daily dose of happiness for us with each small act of giving. So when we repeat this every day, we're actually turning on our happiness switch every day, and we're starting to recognize what actually makes us feel good in our lives. And I think that's that's one of our challenges is are we aware enough in our own lives of how we feel and how to turn on those happiness switches for ourselves. Well, it's true. When you serve others, you really find yourself. And I think that's one thing. You truly do. And I don't think that's something a lot of people recognize. Um, So discuss a little bit about 365, what the challenge Mm -hmm. is. And I think sometimes people think they have to do grand gestures. And I, and I think we we view this in all things in life. You know, if I'm in love, I have to do the grand gesture where it's simple Mm -hmm. things. Right. And the thing I loved about your talk, it's based on reality. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's going out, taking the garbage out for your senior neighbor. It's doing the, it's just thinking outside of yourself. Is that not what you're really pushing? It is. It's really, if you think about it, if you want to look at it closely, it's actually a mindful practice. You know, mindful practices are are the next hot thing right now. And what we know is that when we get out of our minds and we do something for others, no matter how small it is, and this is scientific proof where I'm not just making this up. It's not woo-woo. But research now shows us that literally doing small acts of giving every day, something small, literally then changes the way that we look at life. It's, it's looking at life through a different lens, which gives us a different perspective. So instead of looking out to the world, and we all know that we can listen to the news, we can watch what's happening out in the world, and it can really take us down a negativity path. When we take that time and we do things that are small, and we, we really talk about giving as not giving money, not that giving money isn't good. You know, every charitable organization, including ourselves, um, you know, needs funds to keep our doors open. And, and that, that's a great segment to, for me to tell folks, uh, go on Facebook at 365Give. Go on Instagram at 365Give.ca, on Twitter at 365Give.ca, and help support this organization. Uh, Jackie, as you've embraced this philosophy in your life and as you've helped lead other people to embrace it, 
how much has that made a difference when when you face a, those little daily adversities or the frustrations that build up and and can so much overwhelm people the way we're seeing uh, today? How much has this armored you against that? You know what it does? It gives me the ability to regulate. You know, and that's we talk about regulating our, our emotional intelligence. It gives me the ability to actually regulate my nervous system when we're feeling completely and totally like life is overwhelming. I know this is a tool and strategy for myself that it will calm me down. It will increase my health. It will increase my personal well-being. It gives me purpose and puts me in the right direction every day. And I think that's what we all need sometimes is just that almost like get out of our head, shake our body off. And when we do that and go out and do something even small for somebody else, you know, we all say it's so simple. A three-year-old can do it because I did it with my three-year-old. And it's like a daily habit, just like brushing your teeth. When we make it when we train our brain to become giving us a daily habit for ourselves, we now have a tool in our back pocket every day to deal with the stress, to deal with the anxiety, and to turn on our happiness switch. It's really that simple. A word of Jacqueline Way. Um, she has given a fantastic talk called How to Be Happy Every Day and started a great foundation called 365 Give. We recommend you look it up and get involved and implement this in your life. Jack, let me ask you this. Um, can you give some examples, either personally or people who have adopted 365, who have done little things and how it's changed their outlook on life? Um, and, you know, because Because we look today, look, it's just, the one thing I love about this, especially of all the partisan rancor, you know, we all think it's just the United States because we're, United, we're, we're Americans and it's all about us. But the world, <laughs> the world is, the world <laughs> is, yeah, the world is, you know, there's, this is, this is what's happening across the world. And I think the one thing I love about this is it brings people together of different partisan persuasions, different belief systems, mm-hmm. becoming good to work together in humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think if more people adopted this, we'd probably be smiling more as a, as a world um, because we're, we're all in this together. That's what this that's what this. I think really comes across and does it when you help people you're helping yourself we're just better people um but what are some of these things that you've done that it, it has transformed someone that's dealt with anxiety or you know stress or things of that nature absolutely you know I, it's for me it's a lot of the little things i'm going to give a couple of examples Great. of things that my son and i did because it makes it possible and these are common things throughout the world that we're challenged by. So let's take animals, because we, when we talk about giving, it's not just about giving to people. You can also give to the planet. You can also give to animals as well. So we happen to have an animal rescue just down the street from our house. And so that was one of the things that we did. We still do today. And I have now have three boys. Um, and we go down to that animal shelter and we volunteer our time. We pet the cat. They have a reading room where we go and we sit and we read to the animals in there. We donate uh, items to them on a regular basis. But what we know is that exchange, even with animals, and some people can't do it with other people, that when you even do it with animals or if you're out walking, you're picking up garbage, you're connecting with nature, you're outside, you're doing something good for our world and our planet as well, you then have the opportunity that you're using another strategy for your well-being because you're connecting to the world around us. And that's the big thing. How do we make those connections to the world around us that are positive and putting positive 
positive things back into it. That energetic frequency alone is a big one that changes ours and it changes the world around us. Uh, we're, we're coming back on our next segment again with Jacqueline Way. Uh, she founded and uh, 365 Give, and the idea, folks, as you're learning about here, is just do something uh, to better the world, to be charitable, to benefit someone else every single day, and that really has, you know, for lots of people, helped put them on a path to happiness. Uh, Jacqueline, real quick, again, I gave it earlier, but how do folks follow your work, and how do they support your mission? Thank you so much. Well, you know, the best way to reach us is just go to our website. We are, can I am Canadian, uh, and, and is, we were started in Canada, so it's www.365give.ca and then all of our links to our social are there as well but that's where you can find us and we're on social all the time and another great way for people to do good in our world use your social media for good okay now i i'm probably gonna walk straight into the cliche on this one but I, Jacqueline, of course you're canadian <laughs> of course i am and i'm not going to apologize for it there's no story coming out of my mouth <laughs> That is absolutely fantastic. Breaking Battlegrounds will be coming back here in just a moment with more from Jacqueline Way, uh, 365 Give. Folks, happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. We're coming right back. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your hosts, Sam Stone and Chuck Warren. On the line with us right now, Jacqueline Way. Uh, she is the uh, founder of, with her son, of 365 Give, uh, the author of How to Be Happy Every Day, It Will Change the World, one of the most watched TEDx talks, and a fantastic uh, thank you, Jacqueline, guest joining our program today. We are very pleased to have her here. As always, Breaking Battlegrounds like to focus around the holidays on things that actually make people happy, on service to our fellow humans. And in service, oftentimes, most people will find benefit for themselves. Exactly. So, Jacqueline, how has this benefited you over the past five, six, seven years? I'm sure you've seen some transformation, and it's a little hard in the day-to-day looking at our lives, but I'm sure if we had a, uh, re- rewound your life a little bit over the last several years, you, you had seen a difference in how you've changed your outlook on people, how you deal with people, things of that nature. No, absolutely. You know, the only way to explain it is it has changed everything for me. I never knew when I started this project with my son when he was three the difference that it would make in my own life, not only because it's giving me purpose and meaning, which are key pillars of well-being, but it's now given me the opportunity to understand that even when the hard things come up in life, and I'm going to give you a great example. I was recently driving, and somebody literally smashed right into the side of me. They just drove into the side of me. And then they decided they were going to drive away. Now, as we know, road rage is a big one, you know, these days. And trust me, there was a part of me that was, you know, saying a few words that I can't repeat on the radio. (laughs) But in the same breath, in the same breath, when I actually took a a moment and a breath because I had to follow the person till he pulled over, was I had two choices in that moment. I could make this a really difficult moment for for us both and cause a lot of, of strife and conflict between us, or instead, 
I could show up as somebody different. And I choose to show up as somebody different. And he got out of his car and he was like, this is your fault. And he started on the whole path. And I just looked at him and I said, listen, this is literally paint and metal. Let's just swap driver's license. Let's swap insurance. This is not a big deal. We both have it. I said, let's instead make this just a moment that it's going to be fine. I can get my car fixed. It's not a big deal. And the guy looked at me like I, he didn't even know where I was coming from. He literally started crying and he said, oh my God, I was in this accident. He started showing me this terrible accident he had been in in a year ago where he'd been quite injured and he had been completely triggered by this accident again. And we took this moment and instead of it being just a horrific fight between us both, we walked away with calm and knowing that it was going to be okay. And he literally called his insurance company. He said, it was my fault. I'll do whatever I need to do to make this right. And it was a beautiful moment. And I see these happening again and again in my life. When somebody cuts me off, instead of getting upset and, you know, flipping maybe a bird or something else I shouldn't be, instead, I literally say, this is my 365 give. I'm just going to let them in. I'm just going to let them in. And so I see myself doing this again and again because I've trained my brain to look at the world differently. So instead of looking at the world of going, how can I get back at you? You just peeved me off, whatever it is. Instead, I go, how can I practice my own 365 give today and give this person grace, give them compassion, maybe even give them something that they need, a tool or really just a hug or a smile that might just change their day around as well. That's how we create this ripple, right, that affects everybody then. Well, you, In my happiness and my calm, it makes everybody else happier and calm as well. And, and we've seen the opposite effect of this. If you had popped out of your Completely. car and, and confronted this guy angrily, that's going to send both of you down a bad path for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Did you get? And not only today, I would have woken up the next morning with it, right? And the next day, and the next day, we hang on to that negativity. Yes. And when we come from a place of of happiness and good, and how can I help? How can I be of service? Then we're feeding our soul, right? Like this is what I always say: giving literally like feeds my soul. So when I when I give, I know I'm coming from a place that's true to me, and that just makes me feel good. What made you start this with your three year old son? Well, what I haven't shared in my story that most people don't know is my son's actually adopted. He was the greatest gift. All of my boys are adopted. They were the greatest gift in my life. And I knew that, you know, setting a kid up for success, especially when they've already been through the trauma of adoption, is one of the things that we can do is we can give them the practices. We can give them the strategies. We can give them the good in their own lives so that they will see the good as well. My son has a lot of reasons he could look out into the world and not see good. But instead, I help train his little brain to only go out and see where he can be of help, connection, and love to the world. Are your other sons participating in this as well? Are they younger? Are they older? They are. They're younger. And yes, the whole family does. Who's most? Who's the most? Who's the most creative in their daily you know what? service? <laughs> yeah, you know, what? I think my youngest actually is. Um, he's really outgoing, uh, and so he's the kid that if we're walking down a street, he cannot, he cannot pass somebody that needs help. So he will do absolutely anything, whether it's take groceries out of my grocery cart and help someone that needs it. Uh, or he will ask me literally, mommy, this person needs money, give me your wallet, you know, and he'll take money right out of my purse to go and help another person. But he physically cannot walk past the person in need without helping them. It's, it's just beyond what he can do. It's really beautiful to watch. That is fantastic. 
Uh, folks, we're with Jacqueline Way. Jacqueline, uh, before we go here, I want to give you another opportunity to tell people how to fo- how follow and support your efforts uh, and how they can learn a little bit uh, to improve their lives through giving. Thank you so much. Well, you know what? You can go to our website. We've actually been given uh, a donation right now for Giving Tuesday because that's coming up on November 29th, and it's a matching donation. So every dollar donated to 365 Give right now doubles our donation. You can go to our website. You can donate there. You can find us on Instagram at 365give.ca. We are Canadians. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, there's so my apology for I, you. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to donate. I'm going to make my first donation to a Canadian organization. You're going to be it. I'm going to do a thousand dollars today uh, folks i want you to you. pop on and and donate to this as well absolutely thank you so much jacqueline way thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate having yeah. you on the program well you know what this was your 365 give today just sharing this message and allowing me to be with you that's a huge 365 i'm exiting on the calendar so now much. i got 364 <laughs> left to go <laughs> exactly love it and thank you're you, definitely jacqueline. making us feel better day. thank you thank jacqueline you. okay folks well you know what else makes me feel better, Chuck? A good return on investment. A financial security? <laughs> it does. It seems like an odd transition. It here, is. It's a bad what? segue, but we're doing it nonetheless. <laughs> we're we're going to get in trouble with our sponsors here, folks. But you know what? It is a good deal. Go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Uh, right now, with the stock market going crazy the way it is, with volatility all across this country and across the world, a reliable, safe return that you can get your money out of any time, that you ha- know exactly each month how much you're going to make. Uh, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me, and I hope it sounds like a pretty good deal to you. Uh, and if that is something you're interested in, again, go to investyrefi. Well, it does It does relate to 365 real quickly. It does. If, if you're secure in your retirement, if you're debt-free, you have time to give when debt can overcome you and Make you think inward and not outward. You know, when you secure your financial future, it's really easy to start thinking about other people. I mean, I you know, when you see someone who's poor who really contributes a lot to others, you talking about someone who's a very unique individual. Exactly. Um, and so this is a way to just make life easier for yourself, especially right now with all the stock market volatility. So again, go to invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com, and tell them Chuck and Sam sent you. Breaking Battlegrounds coming back in just a moment. You deserve a home that's beautiful and stylish. At Overstock, you don't have to choose between low prices and quality. Find new on-trend home goods that reflect your taste and don't compromise on value. You can be proud of your home and design a space where you feel like you, all under budget. Plus, you get free shipping on everything in the continental United States. Overstock is where quality furniture and decor cost less. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your hosts, Sam Stone and Chuck Warren. Thank you. Big thank you to Jacqueline Way of 365 Give. Our next guest up today is also doing some amazing work for people across the world and throughout this country. Christina Durham, she is the vice chairman, chairwoman of the Huntsman Foundation, uh, Huntsman Mental Health Institute also. Um, Christina, you started the Huntsman Mental Health Institute in 2021. Um, what is the origin of actually, it? Yeah, well, we actually, it started, I mean, we can go back in time a little bit. We watched our parents 
dedicate a lot of their life to finding a cure for cancer. After right. my dad was diagnosed with cancer, he just said, you know what, we're going to find a cure for this. So upon his passing, he decided to leave the bulk of his wealth into his foundation. And he said he challenged all of us kids. We would be taking over that foundation, and that foundation is made up of just his children. And he said, you, you know what, guys, do something big. Go out and change the world. So we watched his role model with cancer. And after my father died, you know, we as kids sat around. And I lost my sister 12 years ago to substance use disorder overdose. And, you know, it was something we really didn't talk about as a family. Um, I think when somebody has a substance use disorder, you look at that as a failure of character or they're weak or why can't they just stop instead of looking at it as a real brain disease. And at the time of her passing, we didn't put on her obituary what she really died from because we were embarrassed. It's like, not our family. That doesn't really happen. But we realize now that that was really a missed opportunity for us to stand up and talk about it. And, um, you know, we as siblings, we really didn't talk about, you know, the mental health issues that we are all dealing with in our own family because the stigma is so great. And once we all started sharing what we were all going through, we thought, you know what, let's go ahead and let's try and tackle this huge crisis that it's in every single home that people are dealing with with mental health. And we decided to give a gift of $150 million to partner that with the University of Utah. We saw the work that we were able to collaborate with with cancer, and we gave that gift to form Henson Mental Health Institute. And that gift was given in 2019. Little did we know that COVID would be coming. And over the next year, we brought in our CEO, um, Dr. Mark Rappaport, to head up that institute. And we've been able to, you know, do a lot of groundbreaking work. The state of Utah has actually passed more mental health bills than any other state. Granted, when we gave the gift, Utah was ranked number 51. We were the worst in the country when we on our ranking with mental health. And part of that is access because a lot of Utah is rural and most of Utah has no access to mental health, you know, clinics or getting the help that people need. So, you know, a lot of it is just we look in every one of our siblings, we look that mental health umbrella is so big whether it's depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, autism, you know, the, the spectrum is so big when you're dealing with mental health, and it isn't every single home. And stigma is the number one reason that people do not get help. Well, and, and that's, I think, such an important and powerful part of your story, Christina, because mental health is so often a very lonely condition people are afraid right. to share. And you talked about that moment with you and your family sharing those things. It's that act of openness that then allows healing, right? Exactly. And if you, I'll give you an instance. Two friends of mine, one friend, their son, 22-year-old son, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. All the neighbors, everybody coming, what can we do to help? We want to do the wristbands and all of this. And you have that level of empathy. Another friend, the same week, their daughter attempted suicide. Mm. And it was silent. There was no, what can we do to help? They are both brain diseases, and we as a society need to look at how we are addressing each other and how we look at each other when we say we have a mental health crisis. We do not get the same level of sympathy and love 
if we have cancer or diabetes or heart disease than we do with a mental health crisis. Do you think, uh, we're going to go to break here quickly, and maybe we have to get you back. Do you think that's part of, too, it's like if someone has cancer or, you, you, you know, there's a defined issue there. There's, you know, you can go, you can't really do much a lot of times, but you don't have to tip a toe around the issue. If someone has anxiety or something, I think sometimes we want to not step on toes. It's right. basically just trying, it's it's not even a mean thing. It's just sort of like, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing to exasperate the situation. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yes, but by not talking about it, we're not giving our kids and this next generation right. the tools to deal with it. Right, right. No, I don't, dis- I don't disagree with you. I'm just trying to say yes. maybe that's just sometimes what people think. Yeah. Well, yeah. but I think there's that stigma. If you are addicted to drugs or something... It's like, what's wrong with you? What, right. You know, but it's usually an underlying mental health disorder, depression, or something that. Oh, a lot of people blame the victim in this case. Uh, we'll be coming right back here in just a moment with more from Christina Durham, Vice Chairwoman of the Huntsman Foundation. Breaking Battlegrounds coming back in just a moment. Welcome back. To the post-Thanksgiving, full belly version of Breaking Battlegrounds. As always, around the holidays, we like to feature stories and guests who are doing good in the world outside, hopefully, as always, outside the world of politics. It's so refreshing to me, Chuck, to be able to talk about something that isn't divisive and talk to people who are making a positive difference in the world. And that's why we're very excited to be talking with Christina Durham, uh, vice chairwoman of the Huntsman Foundation and the amazing work the Huntsman Foundation and the Huntsman Mental Health Institute are doing, uh, which is being expanded right now in partnership with the Ad Council. So, Christina, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, We could not be happier to be partnering with the Ad Council. We started doing a grand challenge about 10 months ago where we brought – um, we now have over 100 organizations, um, NAMI, SHRM, um, a lot of national mental health organizations where we're all sitting in the same room to discuss how do we change the stigma around mental health. Because it's not just how do we change the stigma, it's how do we change insurance, how do we change workforce. It's, you know, it's a systemic problem. And out of that, we were introduced to the Ad Council. And we were just, we've had amazing meetings with them, but what better way to get the message out than to partner with the Ad Council? So we made this announcement last week, and we could not be more excited. We will be in a partnership for at least the next seven years, really getting the message out and unite brands and marketers and media companies and nonprofits to address the mental health crisis throughout the U.S. Well, and, and Christina, I, I think this is so essential because, you know, especially if you're talking to people who maybe don't have any experience dealing with um, a mental health professional, uh, when you're talking right. to a lot of blue-collar folks, a lot of folks who uh, maybe have not had that exposure before, there's a, there, it's not just a stigma. There's a real sense of weakness for having to right. reach out for that type of help. Um, but there's no, there should be no shame in it, no more than reaching out to uh, an oncologist when you have cancer. You need help to address these issues. Yes. If you had a broken leg, you would not walk around with the bone sticking out and not put a cast on it. And 
the Ad Council, their research found that 49% of America say they have a mental health condition, and of those, only half of them say that they would feel comfortable talking about it or getting the help that they need. And that's a real issue. Can you imagine if all those people had a broken leg walking around? We'd be looking at them saying, please, let's get, let's get a cast on that leg. But because it's the brain, the largest organ in our body, we just don't know enough about it that we just choose to sit in silence. And there's too many people suffering in silence. Does this initiative, besides encouraging people to seek the help they need, does it also provide some sort of support network for families? I mean, that's the one thing is, you know, because yeah. you have the you have the folks who are dealing with these with these issues. OK. Yeah. But the people I think people forget a lot just how taxing this is for those who love them unconditionally. Well, it affects the whole entire family. Yes. I look at how we dealt with my sister and what we know now. It's like we know better now, so we need to do better. And part of it, when people say, what can we do? as a mom and a grandma, part of it is just talking and letting your family members know that they have a safe space where they can share their story and they're not going to be looked at with judgment or like, what is wrong with you? And part of it is just the first step of getting the help that you need is just talking to a loved one and saying, I have a problem. I don't know what's going on. My anxiety or my panic attacks or whatever I, I feel like I need to get some help. And just that initial being able to share what you're going through is the first step of allowing yourself to get the help that you need. And we, we were able to pass a law in Utah. We want to be able to give this next generation the tools that they're going to need. They don't know that they're ever, in, in all of our brains, we think what we're going through is normal. We don't know what's abnormal. So teaching these kids okay, this is normal to be happy, to be sad. This is not normal if I'm having a panic attack or, you know, so that the kids will know at a younger age when to get help in the early stages and so they don't let it get into the, a crisis mode. Christina, I was, I was actually going to say that based on some of the statistics that, uh, that you and, and the Huntsman uh, Foundation put out in partnership with the Ad Council, I, I was going to say that these problems are depressingly common. But but yeah. I would I would almost use distressingly just to stay away from that. But but to say that they're not normal, I think folks should realize, according to the data out there, half of Americans age 16 to 65 say they have a mental condition. Half. 49 percent. Exactly. So so what is normal? I think we have to, you know, this is normal to have a mental health condition. Yes. I think that everybody at some point in their life will either be picking somebody up off the floor or they will be getting picked up themselves. So it's going to address every single one of us. And when we did our presentation in front of uh, this la- the whole board of the Ad Council, Dr. Mark Rappaport said, I want everybody to stand up. Now, will you sit down if you have not been touched by mental health? And not one person sat down. And so everybody is dealing with this, and it's how are we going to address it. And the first step is just simply having those frank conversations. And, I mean, it's scary for a kid to say, oh, my gosh, I, you know, my heart is racing. I don't know what's wrong. I don't, you know. It's scary because they feel like, are, are, am I going to get in trouble? Is this, what, what is going on in my head? You're not a doctor. 
but you've talked to a no. lot of people in this. Do they feel the problem's getting worse, or has it just always been there and we've just been stoic and not talked about it? Well, I think you look at our parents' generation, and yes. it's just work harder, buck up, you can do this. So I think that's part of it, but I think social media adds a whole nother angle. I think in our generation, when we were bullied, you would be bullied at school or in front of other people. Nowadays, with social media, you're bullied in silence, and you're alone, and so much of this is self-isolating. And, you know, so I think it just exasperates the problem. But then on the flip side, we have resources. In Utah, we have the Safe UT app, which is a 24-7 kids, adults. Anybody can just send a text or a phone call, and you get a trained therapist from Huntsman Mental Health Institute to walk you through whatever crisis you're going through. And we figure we save a life a day oh, because amazing. of the calls that we're getting. And so you do have those resources, so it's a catch-22. Yeah, I mean, there's such a demand for this. I've been seeing ads recently, and this is obviously for a for-profit mental health service for online consultations and Zoom. And hey, if you have, you know, if you have insurance or you have the money to afford that, that's great. But I think, Christina, it's really important to highlight that these services are available for everyone if you know where to yes. reach out. Absolutely. There are services, you know, but it's just it's just where do you go? People people don't know know where to go. They don't even know the first step. And so that is why we as as parents and grandparents and friends, maybe the first step is just observe and watch those that you love around you. If well, you see behavior where you know People, just have a conversation. Just say, are you okay? There's a safe space here. And, and that's also why the partnership with the Ad Council is so critical, right? Because they yes. have the reach in all 50 states to really disseminate the message that, that help is there. And it, it's Absolutely. no shame in seeking it. Yes. And we want everybody to be able to see themselves in their ads where they can say, that's me. That's me. And where can we go for help? And, and not have that stigma of there's something wrong with me. How do people donate resources is what you need because they're not mental health professionals. How can yeah. people help fund this initiative? You, you're, you're doing this. You've donated as the, as the Huntsman Mental Health Institute $15 million towards this. Yeah. But your goal is, a, I believe, a $65 million over seven years. How can people, yeah. businesses, our listeners be helpful? Yes. Yeah. There's two different places they can go. They can go to the adcouncil.org slash mental-health, or they can go to the huntsmanmentalhealth.org. And, yeah, we're going to be hitting the pavement, and we've got to raise a lot of money to get the word out there to at least just get the ball rolling. And hopefully in 10 years we can look at mental health is just health. It's just, it's not in its own category. And we've got a real fight ahead of us with insurance companies because right now oh. insurance doesn't want to cover a lot of mental no, health. No, they're no. not doing surgery. They're not sewing somebody up and making money. As you, but, Let me ask you this question. As you've been involved with this intimately, what has, since the day you started until today, what has surprised you about this as you've, as you've built this, as you bring more people involved? Has there been any surprises that have leapt out at you? Um, yes, I think the biggest surprise is the lack of parity and how people with mental health or substance use disorder 
there's such a stigma that they don't get the same level of care. There's no, there's not a lot of places for them to go like they are with cancer or diabetes. And that to me is, I mean, I, I look at my sister and I wish that we had been able to give her the resources and the tools. She started with an eating disorder, you know, just given her the tools and knowing the places where she could have gone to get the help that she needed. This is one, you know, that that I really feel because this actually was something on the, the campaign in, in Arizona that I was just working on that we were focusing on mental health uh, and expanding mental health treatment services. And I, I think one of the things that uh, really struck me in what you just said is that the lack of options, that there's yeah. tons of options for cancer treatment or any almost any other medical treatment you need. There's specialists you can access a huge network of very easily. But a lot of times it is much harder to locate and find the kind of treatment, the variety of treatment uh, that you yeah. need in mental health services. We really were seeing that as a problem that we had to address. But how much is a, that I, a problem across the country? Well, I think it's all. I think it's terrible across the country. And I think my my youngest daughter is getting her master's in mental health counseling, and she said so many kids are dropping out of the program because they don't make enough money to support a family. And that's another issue. You don't have an, we don't have enough services, but you don't have enough people going into it because insurance doesn't cover it. They're, they're they, acting. They're acting it's, as medical professionals, but they're not being exactly. paid like medical they're professionals. They're barely getting paid minimum wage. You'd be better off, you know, going and working at a fast food restaurant. That, that's, well, I, I, don't, I mean, I, don't comment on that. That's just ridiculous. Exactly. So that's why we're doing this grand challenge because we've there's so many areas of this that we need to change and to get the big ball rolling. But as all of these professionals said, we have never all been in the same room together. (laughs) We're all siloed doing our own thing. So this is really exciting that now we have the ad council to help bring everybody together and really get the ball moving. That's fantastic work. Fantastic work. Well, Christina, we appreciate your time. Um, Could you please tell our audience again where they can find more information and get involved? Yes, I can. That is adcouncil.org slash mental-health, or they can go to huntsmanmentalhealth.org, or let me give you one more, hmhi.utah.edu. So thank you so much for giving me the time to talk about mental health. And folks, we will have all of that up on our, on our Facebook and Twitter so you can find the links easily. Christina, thank you for joining us and give our best to your family. Oh, thank you. You too, Chad. Have a great day. Okay, goodbye. Bye-bye. Well, Sam, um, you know, this seems like an issue, by the way, Sam, that people, that a bipartisan issue can solve. Oh, absolutely it can. Yeah. I mean, this seems like one thing we can all say, let's just get this solved. We, we have to, as she said, get over the stigma of it. It is. It is. Um, let's quickly talk here about our sponsor, Invest refi.com if you're looking for a guaranteed secured investment that can get up to 10.25 percent it beats inflation it beats your savings it beats a cd it beats beats stocks reliable return is good for your mental health folks that's that's after today's episode let that be your takeaway so go to invest that's invest the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, and look at the opportunities there for you and your family. But also, happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. Be sure to download our podcast-only segment. We've got a little bit more fun coming up there. Breaking Battlegrounds back next week.
Welcome to the podcast-only segment of Breaking Battlegrounds. Folks, thank you for tuning in, downloading, and joining us. Be sure, if you haven't already, that you are subscribed so you don't miss any of our programs. Uh, but in the meantime, Chuck, I, I always love these episodes that we do around the holidays where we feature people who are doing good in the world, who are in, acting in service to others, because let's face it, we're a political talk show. We spend a lot of time talking to people who are primarily in we, service we to we themselves. We probably need to focus a little bit more on these on occasion. Um, but this does seem like an issue that whether you're Democrat, Republican, that we could come together and let's make some steps forward. It's not going to be a perfect plan, but you know, let's not let the perfect defeat the good. And we need to start getting into the good care territory well, and, on this. And one thing I like about today's program is actually I, I kind of wish we'd had the guests in, in the opposite order mm-hmm. um, because you have one guest who's really addressing the problem you know, from an institutional basis. Mental health issues have really been exploding in this country and around the world. Um, but then you have a second guest who – frankly, has developed a system to improve people's mental health and exactly. to improve the, the health of those who participate in it simply by giving, by contributing and, and, and again, being able I, to help others. You know, the point I made, we need to create an environment where people feel free to say and be vulnerable. That's what you're asking people to yep. do. Um, but it is easier. And nothing's going to change this. And this is one thing I I think it's important to know is when someone has cancer, okay, what can I do for you, Sam? So let's say you had cancer. What can I do, right? right? Because we know you're under care for medical professionals. I cannot really make a verbal faux pas with you. Right. But if someone's dealing with depression or anxiety, part of the stigma, but I don't think the stigma ever changes, you start feeling like you're walking on eggshells. You don't want to offend, but you want to be helpful. And what we have found most of the time is... Um, you know, this sort of people sort of just step away when they don't think they can do anything. And I think that's the thing. They don't know what to do or what to say, even if it's not your family. And we know, you know, let's say you have a relative or I have one. You know, I love you. What can I do? And I know there's more that needs to be done, but you also don't want to cause more harm. Well, in, in words, also, words matter. Words yeah, matter. Words matter. And when you're dealing with someone who has a mental health uh, issue, it can be very frustrating and frustration can lead to anger and then that can be, you know, inst- weave its way in there and exacerbate the situation. So we had some stats pulled up by one of our researchers, one in five experienced mental illness, one in 25 serious mental illness. Three um, percent of the country has a bipolar disorder, seven percent diagnosed with major depression, 18 percent have anxiety disorders. Um According to CDC, 13% of adults are on antidepressants, 18% of men, 8% of women. Um, and it use, this is amazing, the use increases by age and level of education. The older and the more educated take more, which is a fascinating fact here. Um, it's not surprising, though, for a couple of different reasons. They're probably more aware yes, of it. That, um, that's part of it. They have more money to access More money it. to access it, and they've probably done more research on it. Yes. Uh, some of them just say, I'm having a bad day. There's I think, also less of a – look, pure and simple, because I've, I've dealt with both and lived in the midst of both. There is much more of a stigma around mental health in low-income communities than there is in high-income communities. Well, because you can't afford to take the time to right. go get therapy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to yeah. work. You have to put bread on the table, Right. right? 
It's and, a little bit different. And it it tends to be the kind of thing that people worry, you know, I mean, if you're going to deal with something for the rest of your life, if you have a serious chemical imbalance or something like that, and you're going to be dealing with it for the rest of your life. And they're not and they're not cheap. That's right. the other thing about that, this. That becomes a I very mean, big burden in a this low for income profit family. industry of addiction and anxiety. I mean, it's it a is, really expensive. industry. It, yes. And it really it's where the rubber meets the road. And it just really disqualifies probably 80 percent of people. Well, and then this is where quite. Quite frankly, I mean, we did talk about this during Carrie Lake's campaign, that you don't have enough qualified providers and you need to, you know, this is an area government really needs to look at. Do we just pay for the scholarships to get people in there? But also then how do we pay them fairly? Because if you're talking about making minimum wage, you're not going to be making minimum wage in a, in a mental health care setting if you, I mean, if you have any other choice at all. There has to be something that we have to come up with. This is where our free markets friends would say, well, the free no, no, they're not. You have to go and get people into this. we got to get put this a little bit on steroids and get it yep. a running start. We can't go and take the slow path. Um, so it's it's a real issue. And, like, you know, the point is 50% deal with it, which means the other 50% are dealing with those people dealing with it. So yep. all due respect, we're all going to deal with it sometime in the next five years. Yep, absolutely. And, and – I want to switch gears a little bit and, and tell the fo- tell the listeners a story about a friend of mine because as we were talking with Jacqueline Way, our first guest uh, in her 365 Give uh, for Happiness program, uh, one of my friends, good friend, is a manager at a McDonald's in a bad part of Tucson. Okay, I mean it is a bad part. As you can imagine, folks, the stress, the mental burden. Of being a manager, you know, night shift. She worked the the overnight drive through shift. I can't for years. even imagine. I can't even. Imagine. I mean, in a in a in a rough area. Um, and one of the things they had the the owner of the store came in and they had a feral cat colony uh, in the back <laughs> of the parking lot. Right. And the owner told her just to get rid of them. Right. Do something about it. You got to get rid of them. And she's just horrified because, you know, I mean, she's calling around and everyone's like, yeah, well, we'll just come trap them all. And, you know, I mean, take them to the the Humane Society. They're all going to get put down, blah, blah, blah. Um, And she, you know, she hates this idea. So she reached out to a charity. She got them to agree to to pay for a trap, neuter, release. She she captured all of these cats, took them in, trap, neuter, released them, then started having all her workers gather the throwaway food from the McDonald's throughout the day. So if a burger patty hits the floor, you know, they pull that burger patty um, and and put it in a bag. And then that night but, and her shift in, she goes out and she feeds all these cats. Wow. Um, now, OK, this is kind of a crazy, weird story. But at the end of the day, she really was and all of our friends saw it. She was in the midst of, frankly, melting down mentally. And then she started doing this and having this mission where she cares for these cats. She goes in on her days off. And collects it, you know, makes sure they're still collecting the food and goes out and feeds right. them. This is her this is her gift. This is the thing that she does every day to give back to the world. And she is now, a couple of years later, one of the happiest people I know. And really, I mean, and granted, it drives everybody nuts because this is like all she talks about when you're with her. She's got, you know, she'll tell you but stories. But she probably has cat. a more grateful heart now. She does. She does. And frankly, I know her husband and he's incredibly grateful. He says it's made his life a million times easier. But, but it does. It's, um, you know, gratitude is like any virtue, right? It requires desire and effort. 
to cultivate it. It's a muscle. you got to work it out. That's right. And it just doesn't happen naturally for a lot of people because we become so insular and so inward about our problems and the chaos of our lives. And so that's a perfect example. And folks, as you go to this Thanksgiving weekend, um, pay no attention to the things like the Washington Times, how to talk to your relatives over Thanksgiving meal. If you have a if you have an issue within your family or your loved ones, make it right. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to swallow hard and move forward, but make it right. There's nothing more important than having those bonds. It's always been that case. It's even more so today. So this Thanksgiving, we like you to go and participate and create your own 365. And the first thing is do is make, make amends with those you need to make amends with and enjoy your family this weekend. Time is precious and short. And for those who you think may be the grumpy uncle or the... That's the, me, the, by the way. If you're the, I, I the volunteer Sam, for the that Sam, role. The Sam or the teenager who seems isolated and antisocial. There may be more going on there. So show love. Put your arm around them. Be open. Be vulnerable with them. They'll be, be vulnerable Be prepared for them to kick your butt at Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is my lesson of dealing with modern teenagers is be prepared for them to kick your butt at Call of Duty. Folks, as we sign off here, we've had a great show today, and we hope you'll listen to what our guests shared and that you'll start going out and do something special for people daily or animals or your environment or your community. Even doing, take the trash out this week for your neighbor next door. Make this part of your life. We want to close on a little politics. Um, we can't help ourselves, <laughs> folks. We just can't. We're do just going to leave you with a clip from CBS News, um, who this weekend thought so, so Twitter, what Twitter, Twitter was a threat for insecurity, um, and that that boycott they had lasted about as long as CNN Plus. They. Um, <laughs> You know, CBS, who well, was made worried it about, 24 hours, so C- they might only get less CBS longer. News, who was worried about Twitter security, is never left TikTok, which even Democrat senators now say President Trump is right. It's, you know, th- not only get off TikTok, throw your phone away, right? But that's not the point. Um, the Republican Congress, Sam and I discussed this last week with our guests. We don't believe Hunter Biden should be a focus of Congress, but there will be an investigation. And CBS News, two years too late has come wrong, and now they have verified that the contents of the laptop are his laptop. Um, We're just going to let you listen to this. Um, We like to go and share things when people like CBS News, ABC, New York Times reach their epiphany about something that happened two years ago, but we feel it's worth sharing. Yeah, we're we're leaving you folks with a a few minutes of an I told you so for our our national news Take a look at it. Feel free to share it. We'll also post this news clip on our social media, but again... Go enjoy your Thanksgiving week. Enjoy this Christmas holiday season. And look, you're going to enjoy it more if you think of those outside of you and not yourself. And if you do that, we're going to have a pretty nice December if all of us do that. Have a great holiday, friends. And as Republicans take control of the House, Hunter Biden, the president's son, will be a target for investigations. And that means data from a laptop reported to belong to Biden could be crucial to the investigatory process. CBS News has obtained its data not through a third party or political operative, but directly from the source who told us they provided it to the FBI under subpoena. And we commissioned an independent forensic review to determine its authenticity. Senior investigative correspondent Catherine Harridge joins us now with what we found. Catherine, I'm very interested. Good morning. Good morning, Tony. These House Republican investigations are coming, and that could be a challenge for the White House as we head into 2023 and 2024. 
The laptop data we had analyzed showed no evidence it was faked or tampered with. Digital forensic investigator Mark Lanterman was previously a member of a Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force. There was one thing that got my attention, and that was a voicemail. It's dad, I called to tell you I love you. I love you more than the whole world, pal. Can I get some help? That voicemail, apparently from Joe Biden during his son Hunter's drug addiction, is one of many findings Lanterman used to authenticate what is believed to be Hunter Biden's laptop data. You're confident, based on your analysis, this is Hunter Biden's data and that it's real? Yes. This Delaware computer shop is where the laptop's backstory begins. Their records indicate in April 2019, Hunter Biden took his laptop in for repair, but never paid. After 90 days, the store considered it abandoned. Then in December 2019, the FBI subpoenaed the store's owner to turn over the computer and a portable drive of its data. Whatever happened to Hunter? During the 2020 election, versions were widely shared by Republican operatives, including Rudy Giuliani. We have the entire hard drive. But questions were raised about whether additional files were added to those versions. Then-candidate Biden labeled the laptop controversy disinformation. What this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. CBS News approached the lawyer for the computer repair shop owner to cut through the noise. We've always had uh, one clean copy. And obtained a copy of what he says they provided the FBI under subpoena. Then we went to Minneapolis for an independent analysis. Were you paid by CBS or anyone else to analyze the data? No. No. I wouldn't want anyone to think that someone bought our opinion. Around the corner, it'll lead you to what we call our imaging room. Lanterman and his son, Sean, both digital forensic experts, recovered images of credit cards, a driver's license, social security number. Just the sheer volume of what we're dealing with, it would be difficult, uh, if not impossible, to fabricate. And explained how files built up over years. It accumulated over time, which is consistent with normal, everyday use of a computer. There's some reporting about folders being added. We have read these um, articles. We don't see that. So I believe that that's because we have a more pristine copy. The laptop and its contents have fueled Republican interest in Hunter Biden's business ventures. Hunter Biden was working with Chinese nationals. They say this May 2017 email outlining a proposed business deal with a Chinese energy firm is one reason why they have questions about whether President Biden benefited. We're prepared to subpoena Hunter Biden. We would certainly hope that he would want to come before the committee and clear his name. Two of Hunter Biden's former business partners, including Tony Bobolinsky, who received the email, told CBS News the 10 held by H for the big guy is shorthand for 10 percent held by Hunter for his father. After the email became public in 2020, the author of the email told The Wall Street Journal Joe Biden was not involved. The author has not responded to CBS News's questions. Mr. Biden has consistently denied knowledge of his son's work or financially benefiting from it. I've never spoken to my son about drugs. Last month, Senator Chuck Grassley wrote this letter alleging bank records and financial data showed that Hunter Biden and the president's brother profited from a $5 million wire from a company connected to CEFC, the Chinese energy firm. They're going to look at 
every part of the Joe Biden administration. Doug High is a Republican strategist. A lot of this is also going to be aggressive on Hunter specifically. We're going to hear a lot about the laptop. Who profited? Was the law broken? Was it not broken? After two years of scrutiny, the laptop has not produced evidence President Biden directly benefited from his son's business deals. If there's dirt there, that will dirty him up. If not, those attacks can backfire. The White House declined to comment. Hunter's lawyer did not address our specific questions about the data or the CBS forensic review, but said there have been multiple attempts to hack, infect, distort, and peddle misinformation regarding Mr. Biden's devices and data. And at no time did any individual, including the IT repair shop owner, Mr. McIsaac, have Mr. Biden's consent to access his computer data or share it with others. The lawyer also referred us to Hunter Biden's memoir, where the president's son slammed the despicable opposition that purported to have a laptop belonging to him. The political field is all about reputation, so don't let someone squash yours online. Secure your name and political future with a yourname.vote web address from GoDaddy.com. Your political career depends on it.